You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore data. Well, I was thinking about doing that whole halfly thing, but I realized there are certain things that are, it's better to wait until after the combine when we have some solid concrete numbers, and that's one of those things. So speaking of numbers, why don't we look at that today? Um, I saw today already, um, and over the last however long, we're doing the same stupid argument on social media where we argue about the Packers' limits. And I swear the same people who are saying we wouldn't draft Wyatt because he's 25 and we wouldn't draft Quay because they don't draft linebackers are out there doing it again, arguing about what the limits are. Uh, Listen, we can wrap up this whole podcast right now if I could just get people to understand this. There is a difference between they don't and won't do it and they haven't done it. And yes, there is a correlation between what they haven't done and some more negative metrics. Short arms for tackles. Old age. Being too short. Being too slow. These are all negatives. For all 32 teams, by the way, they're negatives. It's not just like everybody has their own sort of thing that they're looking for. No, there's just things that are not necessarily great, and nobody's really looking for it. Let me let you in on a little bit of a secret. Everybody would like for their players to have a perfect 10 RAS. Everybody. All 32 teams would love that. Nobody is looking at their wide receiver and saying, if I could keep things the exact same, all things being exactly equal, no, I would not like them to be taller and faster and stronger. No, I don't want my wide receiver to have longer arms, to be stronger, to be faster, to be taller. I don't, I don't want that. Nobody would say that. But we are dealing with very small... I'm skipping to the end here, but the other thing with, you know, well, the, the Packers like really high, high RAS. And, and yeah, they, they, may, they may prioritize it more than other teams, and that's true. Some teams may take these things more seriously than others. Some teams just don't care. And that might be why the Packers never end up drafting them, because the Packers would be willing to take this player at some point, but not until later. And then the teams that aren't really bothered by a receiver being 5'8", that doesn't bother them, so they take them based on the other metrics which make them a first or second round prospect or whatever. 
So they never fall into the Packers' hands at the point at which they would take them. So it appears as though they never draft them, when in reality, these players just never really fall to them at a value that they find is is worthwhile. But they absolutely would draft them. Now, are there hard cutoffs? I'm sure there are. Every team has hard cutoffs. Would, would they draft a four-foot-tall tight end? No. So there's a line somewhere, but we get so ridiculous with these lines. Well, the... I've I've looked over the last ten years, and uh, they've never drafted someone at with arm length less than this. So that's the line. No, no, it's not. Listen, if we drafted hundreds of players every single year, and you had twenty years of research with one GM, and you had thousands of of data points, now we can look at it and go, okay, it appears that they never really, you know. Now we can start to get a little bit more of a in focus picture of what's going on. Brian Gutekunst has made a handful of picks in his time here at any given position. I mean, hardly any. And for us to pretend that we're experts on exactly what his hard limits are, are absurd. Then you look at the whole RAS thing. And yes, I, I, I think when you look at, you know, how things fall at the end of, at the end of the day, the Packers do end up with more high RAS guys than other teams, which leads me to believe that they care more about that than others, meaning they tend to have certain guys ranked higher on their boards based on RAS than other teams do because they care about it more. And they might have guys with lower RASs ranked lower on their boards. Again, everybody would be willing to take that high RAS guy at some point, just maybe not as early as the Packers. And the Packers would be willing to take the low RAS guy, just maybe not as early as some of the other teams. So it just, it sorts itself in such a way that the Packers end up with more high RAS guys. And, and it's not even actually RAS. That's just the metric we use. I don't think they actually care about RAS. I was saying the same thing back when it used to be spark score. The Packers don't care about spark score. They have their own metrics. But anyways, with that caveat firmly in place, I do want to go back and look at uh, the Packers and what they've done just to kind of familiarize ourselves with it. Um, I was kind of intrigued when I looked at this. I know I saw Clayton was looking at this yesterday. I didn't get a chance to watch it, but um, looking at some of the RAS scores for the Packers, I figure with the combine coming up, it's now or never. But I think one of the things that kind of surprised me was I didn't realize how stable this like nine point something RAS thing was and for how long. In other words, I thought it was first round. It's It's usually, you can be fairly certain Again, no guarantees. Kenny Clark, by the way, 7.54 RAS. Yes, I know that was a different uh, different GM technically, although it was a guy that held to the same standards, seemingly. There are always exceptions. But anyways, I was surprised to see. I thought after like the first round, it started to taper. Not really. It holds true for quite a while. But if we look at um, the start of Brian Gutekunst's tenure, Jair Alexander, 9.53, Savage, 8.37, Rashawn Gary, 995, Jordan Love, 843, Stokes, 937, Wyatt, 959, Quay Walker, 963, and Lucas Van Ness is a 94. So, I mean, if you're looking for, like, what can we take away from this? Obviously, high RAS, there is a high correlation, right? Um, If you're trying to pinpoint certain things, if, if you pinpointed high RAS over the last several years, you were probably right more so than any other thing you tried to identify, that or defense. There's always exceptions, right? Jordan Love is the offense. 
um, premium positions, although Quay is not. It's also worth noting that where you pick in the first round matters. So the Packers are very unlikely. I mean, pretty much any team is unlikely to get a guy with an RAS under nine if you're picking in the top 10, right? The Packers generally don't pick in the top 10, but you know when they picked at 12, they got a guy that was a 995 in Rashawn Gary. When they picked at 13-ish, they had Lucas Van Ness, 9.4. At 18, they got Jair. But then when you get sort of in the back end of it, you got Jordan Love, who was an 8.43. You got Kenny Clark at pick 27. That was a 7.54. They did get Wyatt and Stokes, who are high RAS guys. But again, Wyatt was uh, 25 years old. So Stokes is kind of the only outlier in terms of a guy that was a late pick, and he was their latest one at pick 29, that still was in the nines and and didn't have any super noticeable flags, although I do know he was considered a second-round prospect by, you know, a lot of people. So with us picking at pick 25, it becomes less certain in my mind. If we were picking at 12, I would be much more certain than us picking at 25, right? Because remember, you've got Jordan, who is an eight. Kenny, who was a seven. You got an old guy that was in the nine and then Stokes. So again, we can revisit this once it's all said and done and kind of see uh, where things fall. But again, the interesting thing for me was when I went into the second round and I expected things to change. Um, if you go back as far as this thing will go back, which is, um, well, I mean, Preston Smith with the Packers didn't pick him. So that's 2019, which is our current GM. Alton Jenkins was a nine three three. A.J. Dillon, a 9.15. Josh Myers, he doesn't have an RAS. He must not have tested. Christian Watson, obviously, 9.96. Luke Musgrave, 9.78. So you look at that and realize the Packers, I guess, never draft outside of the nines for the second round. And had you thought that, then you would have never guessed that we would have drafted Jaden Reed, who is a 6.74, which again is an example of just because they never have doesn't mean they won't. Especially, and, and that's the thing. Jaden Reed already was. When they saw his height and everything else, they would have said there's no way that they're taking Jaden Reed. They're not drafting a five foot, you know, a, a sub 5'11, 187 pound guy at wide receiver in the second round with a 6'7'4 RAS. And, you know, it'll probably go up a little bit if you take uh, whatever the Packers had his 40 time at, which I think was in the four threes. I don't think it changes a ton. But say it takes him up to, you know, a seven or something. I doubt it. But let's just say there's no way. Everybody would say there's no way they're not drafting him. You're an idiot. Have you ever looked at what, you know, the the, the Packers do? Have you ever seen Brian Gutekunst draft? Do you know anything about Brian Gutekunst? They don't like short receivers. They don't like small receivers. They don't like 187-pound guys. They don't like sub-5'11 uh, guys. They don't like 6-7-4 RAS guys, especially as early as the second round. They've never taken anything other than people over... In fact, 9-1-5, A.J. Dillon is the lowest RAS they've ever taken uh, under Brian Gutekunst in the second round. You're an idiot. You don't know what you're talking about. And then, beak, they draft Jaden Reed. Just because they haven't doesn't mean they won't. There's always exceptions. Again, would they love it if Jaden Reed was was six foot three and two hundred and twenty five pounds and ran, you know, a little bit faster and that was was just the perfect? Yeah, of course they would. But look, at the end of the day, 
these things always come down to can you do the job? And and there there are times when you look at a person's height and you say, I don't think they can based on their height, or I don't think they can based on their speed. I just think when you get to the NFL, it's not going to translate. But when you're talking a guy that's basically 5'11", 190, I mean, he's he's not, he's again, he's not four feet tall, although it's not ideal. And although, you know, Gutekunst might stress about that more than others, when you watch him play, the question always comes down to, can he do the job that we want a guy to do? And if the answer is yes, they're going to draft him. And I think it really just goes to show how much more Brian Gutekunst really likes his skill set because he was able to overcome whatever shortcomings he has in terms of height and weight. And those weren't the only things. I mean, his his vert was 33 and a half inches, which out of 10 is a 431. You know, I mean, if you just look at his rankings out of 10, his height is a 3.06, his weight is a 3.29, bench was a 538, vert was a 431, broad jump is a 631. His uh, short shuttle is a 5.28. His speed was listed as great already. So it's like, well, they said he was faster. Right, but his speed is his only attribute that was a positive to begin with. So, I mean, uh, again, it's, it's kind of twofold. I'm, I'm, I'm doing two things at once that, that sound kind of conflicting, but I'm, I'm trying to address, I guess, two different people. On one hand, please stop drawing these lines so definitively. There are lines, and it's great to acknowledge them, but we take it too far when we say the Packers would never. When people do mock drafts and there's a guy with like a 6.74 RAS in the second round, a guy that's five, you know, sub 5'11", 187 pounds, I don't want to see this crowd. The Packers would never. You're an idiot. You don't know. What Just shut up, stupid. If you want to make an argument about why it's not a good fit, go ahead and do it, but try to use a little bit of depth. Have some depth. Anybody can Google a guy's height and say, oh, he's not tall enough for good cunts. You're stupid. I'm smart. No, you sound like a caveman. Demonstrate some depth and understanding of the Packers beyond height and weight. What the Packers look for in a prospect and, and why this prospect falls short as far as their play on the field. He too short. Me smart, you dumb. Guys, please, please stop it. On the other hand... Now that we've established that, it is interesting, again, for me to realize that even in the second round, we're still almost always in the nines as far as RAS. And then you get into the third round, still pretty high. Um, you've got, well, the, the, so I'm just going off of RAS's website. So of the guys that are still on the team that the Packers drafted, Josiah DeGuara, Sean Ryan, Tucker Craft. Their RAS scores were 849, 816, and 968 for Tucker Craft. That's incredibly high. Now, I know that there was, uh, what's his name? The, uh, the guy out of Clemson who was pretty low on RAS. But it's still interesting to me that we're still kind of floating pretty high. And the fact that maybe the guys that, uh, that are not on the team didn't have as high of RAS is not helping me to think that maybe the Packers will get away from it. If anything, it's proving to Brian Gutekunst that this is the path we need to stick with, although DeGuara and Sean Ryan don't necessarily think they're going to stick around very long. But then we get into the uh, fourth round, and David Bakhtiari, and, and you know this is prior regime, but he was an outlier, right? His arms are too short, he's got a 6.72 RAS, not good enough, blah, blah, blah. But since Brian Gutekunst, Royce Newman, 8.71, still very high, Dobbs didn't test, Zach Tom, 959, Colby Wooden, 925. I just, I just didn't know. I didn't realize. I really thought it was first round, and then it really quickly starts to taper. I didn't know we're just hovering in the nines the whole draft. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it looks like fifth round is when it starts to dip a little bit. 
Um, so you've got Aaron Jones was a 9-2-1. TJ Slayton, 7-9-6. Shamar Jean Charles is a 4-2-9. Kingsley and Igbari, 6-2-4. Wicks, 9-1-7. And Sean Clifford, 9-0-5. Now, again, the interesting thing is, like, we went Aaron Jones in the nines. That was a great pick. We went Wicks in the nines. That was a great pick. Shamar Jean Charles was in the fours. We decided to go out and do it. Not a good pick. TJ Slayton was sub eight. In my opinion, I mean, I guess for a fifth round pick, it's okay, but he certainly isn't a slam dunk. Kingsley, I know, has gotten a ton of hype. I don't think he's ever really lived up to the hype. We'll see. Maybe he can be that dude. He's okay, whatever. But like the guys that we, that we knocked that out of the park with, are Dentavian Wicks and Aaron Jones, and those are the two guys in the nines, aside from Sean Clifford, who, uh, I mean, you know, dude might be a stud. I don't know. So it's it's interesting that it's like, okay, so it's starting to taper. It's harder to find guys in the nines at this point anyways, but you're also kind of willing to to branch out a little bit as you get into the fifth round and try to hone in on stuff. But if, if you're Brian Gutekunst, you're looking at this going, when we get away from guys with high RAS scores, they're not as good. Right, And even if you rank them, like Shamar Jean Charles is probably the worst. I mean, I kind of like Shamar. I hoped it would pan out, but that was the worst. He had the lowest one. Then on the next scale of like, eh, you got Kingsley and TJ Slayton. Those are the guys at the sixes and sevens. And then the guys we knocked it out of the park with are Dentavian Wicks and Aaron Jones. They're both in the nines. I mean, it it, it sucks to be so... Um, I mean, it, it's going against everything I'm trying to say right now, which is you can't be so black and white. Like, it's not just because it's a freaking nine RAS, but as you look at the picks, it's like, I mean... Kind of, though, right? <laughs> I'm just saying it's not anybody that wants Brian Gutekunst to focus more on their attribute or, you know, on, on their on the tape as opposed to their RAS. This is not helping. This is, I, I could just see him in a back room going, I told you. I freaking told you. I told you. You didn't listen to me. Then in the sixth round, we still have got quite a few, um, although these two are not picked by the uh, the Packers. So now it is getting pretty pretty light. Jake Hansen was a 372. Tyler Davis a 788, kind of getting up there but not quite. John Runyon 847, he's the one. Isaiah McDuffie 732, Luke Tenuta 472, Carl Brooks 588. So again, kind of. So the lowest ones were Luke Tenuta and Jake Hansen. Didn't work. No good. Then Carl Brooks, Isaiah McDuffie and Tyler Davis. Those are, and, and uh, McDuffie and Davis are close to eight. Carl Brooks is 588. We'll see what Carl Brooks becomes. Hopefully he's a stud. But McDuffie and Tyler Davis, there might be something there. We all like McDuffie. And then John Runyon, I know he had a bad year, but dude was one of the better guards in football for a while. He was an 847. I don't know what happened this last year. It sucks that it happened, but it's just, again, you look at it and it's like, what the heck? And then on top of that, the two guys that we currently have on our roster that were drafted in the sixth round. Corey Ballantyne and Rudy Ford, both in the nines. Let me look at Ballantyne. I don't think I knew he was such an athletic freak. I should have. I mean, we picked him up, obviously. So it's mostly his uh, explosion and uh, agility. He ran a really good three-cone and vert and broad jump. But he also runs 4.47, which is plenty fast. 5'10", 196. And of course, Rudy Ford is a stud. Why would 5'11", 205 be such a negative grade? That seems a little silly to me. That's not that small. Anyways, he's really fast. In fact, I don't even think this is true. I think he ran faster than this. This must be his combine testing. I know he ran faster than a 4-4. Anyways, whatever. 
And then finally, we get to the seventh round, which of course, the Packers always have a ton of seventh round picks, especially the last couple of years, many of which, uh, well, 2022, these are the guys still on the team. Jonathan Ford was the one that they took a swing on that was really low grade, 355, didn't super pan out. The next highest, 614, Samori Ture, eh, for a, you know. But then still, Tariq Carpenter was an 892, Grant DeBose was an 879, Anthony Johnson was an 813, and Carrington Valentine was the 19 uh, of a 93. And then then we brought in Bo Melton, the seventh round pick, 924. So the two guys at a, at, at a nine, Carrington Valentine and Bo Melton. I mean, come on, dude. And Rashid Walker didn't test, but I just have to assume he would have tested in the nines because, I mean, just look how good he is. He would have to. <laughs> I mean, there, there were some eights that didn't pan out. Tariq Carpenter, right at about a nine, eight, nine, two, didn't pan out. We'll see about Grant DeBose, eight, seven, nine. Anthony Johnson's kind of lower eights. I'm curious about Anthony Johnson for this thing that we're doing uh, post-combine. I just wonder, you know, now that we have to rethink, like, the safeties and the responsibilities, you know, you kind of write off guys like Anthony Johnson, like, yeah, he's a seventh-round pick. Everybody liked him at first, but I don't know about it now, and eh. Now that we got a new sheriff in town, some new responsibilities for safeties, everybody liked Anthony Johnson. I mean, all the draft people, not that it super matters, but they were all like, I can't believe it. That was one of the best picks of the draft. Crazy. He's an instant starter. I don't know. See what happens. But anyways, that that was the surprise for me. So, so there's, again, two things at play. Number one, I was shocked to see, and maybe many of you knew it, and I just, I have been uh, head in the sand about it how consistent the Packers are with high RAS, not just early in the draft, but all throughout the draft, like from start to finish. The other side of the coin is we cannot be so rigid because although it is generally true, there are always outliers. So it's, it is true to say that the Packers lean heavier into this than other teams. That is true. And it's obviously okay to joke. We all joke about it like they would never, you know, as a joke, but don't, don't send people freaking like death threats about stuff like this. Because it ain't that serious. And it's not that true. People get so over the top about everything. Anyways, why don't we take a uh, break? We'll come back and I want to look at some of the expectations for the Combine. See if we can't sort of hone in on some guys that are maybe expected to have some pretty high RAS scores. We'll take a break. We'll be right back. We all have smartphones and we all know they're pretty amazing. But they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. 
Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. All right, so... Um, some names to keep an eye on here. Uh, we, we've got this article from the athletic Bruce Feldman, put it together. It is, um, which NFL draft prospects will show off at the combine revisiting Bruce Feldman's freak list. Got a couple other little nuggets, but this is a pretty nice resource just to kind of get us, uh, in tune with some of the expectations here. But number one on the list is Mr. Chop Robinson out of Penn State. One of the guys I mentioned yesterday, um, huge fan of Chop Robinson. Uh, I don't want to read all of it, but it says there's been some skepticism and draft chatter about whether Robinson actually merits first-round consideration. I find that to be ridiculous. In draft uh, analyst circles, Robinson has become polarizing. The Athletic recently had him going number 35 to the Cardinals, down from number 14 in August, mock draft. Robinson is ranked number 26 on Dane Brugler's big board. At Penn State, he measured in bigger than Micah Parsons, and the coaches there thought he was perhaps just as fast. Although matching Parsons 4-3-9-40 in Indy will be a big challenge. Can you freaking imagine? If he runs a 4-3-9, I'm going to lose my mind. I mean, this dude is fast. That, that's one of the things I like about him. He's really just boom off the ball. Closing speed the whole nine yards. If this dude runs a 4-3-9, I'm going to lose my mind. It says Robinson clocked a 4.47 last year, but he actually ran a little quicker shuttle, 4.22, to Parsons 4.40. I mean, even 4.47 for an edge rusher, that's incredibly fast. He also has a broad jump of 10.7 and a bench press of 400 pounds. One source who has seen him in training this month predicted that Robinson is going to go off at the combine and will put up absurd numbers. I can't handle it, man. I'm not going to be able to handle it. I mean, it. I understand like edge is not our necessarily our biggest need, but I mean, I I think my two favorite guys in this draft are edge rushers, and Chop Robinson's right up there. Number two, another guy that I think all of us have become a fan of, probably going to be out of reach, but that's Quinion Mitchell, cornerback out of Toledo. So he is six foot one ninety five. Um, he bench presses two hundred twenty five pounds twenty one times. And he has a top speed of 23.58 miles per hour. That's crazy. I'll tell you what, man. They need to start incorporating miles per hour in this thing. They, they, they got to mix up some of the stuff. I mean, how hard would it be to just put a tracker on them? As they're running the 40, just to kind of see what you get, get up to as far as miles per hour. I would love to see that. It says, last spring he ran in the 4.3s twice in the 40 for NFL scouts. I expect him to run in the mid-4.3s in Indy and excel in everything he does there. Mitchell is a big-time talent. Man, I'm getting freaking excited. I can't wait for this. Next up, Byron Murphy, another guy big, big fan of. Says he doesn't have the heft of Devondre Sweat, but 6'1", 308-pounder is more disruptive and cause more problems for rival coaches. Again, as much as I've been a big Jerzon Newton fan, Byron Murphy kind of overtook him in my mind. 
It says, I'm hearing there's a chance he can run the 40 in the four eights. Then at number four is Peyton Wilson. And I want to try to find something here. Um, ben Fennell wrote this. He said, this is on uh, Twitter. Peyton Wilson will likely steal the show in Indy for linebackers at the Combine. Will look like Jack Campbell at 6'4", 10 pounds lighter, but faster. Bruce Feldman Freaklist had him at 44940, and you do see that play speed on film. Uh, can hawk wide receivers from behind, just a tremendous athlete. So I am excited to see that. He's one of those guys that, um, I mean, I like him as a weak side linebacker. I thought he looked okay, but I really just want to see um, some of the top end athleticism. And, and if he tears it up, which I think everybody expects him to do, obviously that's going to be more exciting from my perspective because you're thinking about having this weak side linebacker that's just flying up and down the field. And um, obviously the Packers are excited about guys that have that real high upside. But fam- former standout lacrosse player, state champion wrestler, 6'4", 235, Butkus and Bedneric Awards in 2023. He's been clocked at 4.49, ran a 4.21 in the Pro Agility Shuttle last season, benched uh, 3.90, vert jump is 35 and a half inches. Don't be surprised if he tops a lot of those numbers at the Combine. So a lot of the Peyton Wilson fans are going to, uh, well, you're, it's going to get crowded in that camp pretty soon is the bottom line. Uh, Marvin Harrison doesn't really matter. What you know, he's well out of our range. But at number six, they got Roman Wilson. He is a uh, wide receiver, which I do need to go back and kind of look at these wide receivers again. But Roman w- Wilson is a wide receiver out of Michigan. He is currently sitting at uh, pick fifty-seven, so we're talking kind of back of the second roundish. That may change, obviously. And and to be clear, I'm not saying that teams are going to change their rankings. Everybody understands what these guys are about to do, but the media, which is where we get these rankings from, might have him shoot up the boards a little bit. Wilson clocked a 4-3-3-40 last offseason. Oh my goodness. Even more impress- impressive, Wilson ran a sizzling 6-2-0 second three-cone drill and topped everyone at Michigan with a 3-7-7 shuttle time. Those two times have been met with some disbelief in combine training circles, so there'll be a lot of eyeballs on Michigan's top receiver. Wilson, who also flew up the Wolverines' retroactive plyo stairs in 2.22 seconds, which tops in the program, had a fantastic few days at the Senior Bowl. I got it. So if Wilson does run a 4-3-3, there were four guys that did that last year, only one wide receiver, and that was Trey Palmer, who ran exactly a 4-3-3. The fastest um, three-cone was 6-5-7. Apparently he ran it in 6-2. I want to know, I want to see if I can find anyone that's done that. Let me look real quick. Just trying to look around a little bit. The, uh, apparently the record for the three cone is 6-4-2. So 6-2 would blow that out of the water. And then the 20-yard um, shuttle, the record by Brandon Cooks and Jason Allen is 3-8-1. Apparently he ran a 3-7-7. So if he's able to even come near these numbers, he's going to break like every record. <laughs> there's no way this guy doesn't go in the first round if he does this stuff these are crazy numbers so it'll be real interesting to see what he's able to do next is Jalen Wright this one shouldn't surprise anyone it's kind of what he does very very popular among Packers fans he is a home run hitter that's what he is 5'11 210 pounds 23.6 miles an hour is what he's been clocked at before which is just stupid speed um, he's got a vert of 44 inches, 10, eight in the broad jump in high school. He ran a hand timed four, two, eight. 
So not surprising why everybody loves Jalen Wright. I certainly would have no issues with having a guy with that amount of speed. I mean, if you're if you're trying to replicate the Miami Dolphins and just get raw speed, I've got no issue with it. I I, I do remember watching him. Um, there's a few guys that actually are pretty fast. I doubt many of them touch that level of speed. But I mean, my my only critique is I feel like if he doesn't have that open lane for him to just fly through, which 99% of the time you're not just having these wide open holes to run through. I don't know that he offers a ton. So it becomes a situation of trying to find ways to create space, using him as a receiver, et cetera, et cetera. You know, getting him to the outside. Occasionally he'll break one, but, you know, I just didn't see that, you know, ability to create when there's not much there. But obviously that level of speed is going to do some damage. Uh, Kingsley Suomataya, offensive tackle out of BYU, currently sitting at pick 41. So certainly within... uh, Striking distance of the Packers, either with the first pick or the second pick or third pick. But dude is six foot eight, three oh two, runs a sub five forty, thirty-seven inch vert. That was last year, and it says the coaches at BYU say the six six three twenty-five is more athletic. Kingsley is off the charts, BYU sports scientist Skyler Maine told me last summer. He's faster than our linebackers. He's just a freak in the weight room. What makes him look different from Blake is that Kingsley just makes it look a little more effortless. Suamataya hit 21.5 miles per hour last year as a 318-pound freshman. She think or Skyler thinks Suamataya could run in the four eights. Wow, that's pretty wild. Uh, Nate Wiggins, uh, probably out of range, but maybe uh, in a trade up. Um, 6'2", 185. Wiggins was clocked at 22.6 miles per hour, so he's got some speed to him. Uh, Chris Jenkins, defensive tackle out of Michigan. Brian Thomas, the wide receiver. Pretty much everybody in in that range at the back of the first round. Brian Thomas, the wide receiver, sitting at 22 uh, right now, so just right around where the Packers are picking. Thomas is expected to light it up in Indy, potentially running the 40 in the four threes and vertical jumping 38. The great thing about this is, we're going to see these numbers, and, and again, I understand teams know this stuff, but I don't. When we actually see these numbers, it's going to be so easy to fall in love with so many prospects, and that's a good thing. I would love nothing more than to be over the moon about Kingsley Suomataya, Jalen Wright, and Brian Thomas. Uh, Troy Franklin, wide receiver out of Oregon, also may run in the four threes. He's currently sitting at uh, pick 32, so that's, again, right in range for the Packers. Trevin Wallace, linebacker out of Kentucky. Former track star, won a state weightlifting title with a 335-pound power clean, hit 22 miles per hour on the GPS at Kentucky, and also vertical jumps 38.5 inches. Uh, Roma Dunze needs no introduction. He won the 4A state title in the 200 meters and the uh, 4x100 relay. Roma Dunze last season ran a 4-3-4-40. Dude, all these guys are going to be running the 4-3s. It's crazy. Uh, skipping down a little bit, Malachi Corley, wide receiver out of Western Kentucky. He's sitting at pit, pick 68. Uh, it says, former two-star recruit, recruit reminds me a lot of Debo Samuel. He's that strong and that good with the ball in his hands. In 2022, he led the country in yards after the catch with 975 and in missed tackles forced with 40. The 5'11", 220-pounder hit 23 miles per hour in the GPS and clocked a 44340 with a 408 shuttle. I mean, it's pretty wild to get a guy that's about six foot. He's 220 pounds and can run 23 miles an hour. I mean, that's just stupid stuff. 
Anyways, let's uh, let's take a break. We'll come back and highlight a couple more people, and then uh, we'll get out of here for the day. We'll be right back. So we got Cam Hart. He is a cornerback out of Notre Dame. He's a little bit further down the list. He's sitting at 105 right now, but he's 6'2 and a half, 204 pounds, and has it says exceptional measurable. Last offseason, he broad jumped 11-2, vertical jumped 38 inches, and hit 23 miles per hour on the GPS. So again, I'm, I'm sure there's some issues because he's outside of the top 100, although that may change. To be fair, just so we're clear, we picked a guy in the second round that was not in the consensus top 100 when we drafted Jaden Reed. Just saying. Uh, something else to consider. Obviously, we, I shouldn't say obviously we assume, but we should consider the fact that we don't know 100,000% that Keyshawn Nixon is going to be coming back. Enter Anthony Gold, wide receiver slash kick returner out of Oregon State. He's currently way down at pick 256. It says the Beavers might have had the fastest wideout tandem in college football last year with Gold and Silas Bolden. Neither is particularly big, but both can flat out fly. Bolden is still in college, but Gold, 44 catches and 711 yards with two touchdowns, is in the draft, and he was one of our scouts' picks to win fastest man in Indy this year. He flashed that explosiveness in the Shrine Bowl on an 80-yard punt return for a touchdown. The 5'8", 165-pound Gold is an All-American return man in 2022, was a high school sprint champ who might run in the 4-2s. Yes, I know, 5'8", 165 is probably pushing it, but somebody's got to pick him up. I'm just saying, maybe we need a kick returner. At 21, Chris Braswell, edge rusher out of Alabama. I do like Chris Braswell. Says he wasn't as productive as Will Anderson or Dallas Turner, but Braswell will probably test better. At Alabama, Braswell's vertical jump was 38 and a half inches, and he hit almost 22 miles per hour on the GPS while weighing 256 pounds. He's also extremely strong. Yeah, I like Chris Braswell. Some other names, I won't go through all the details, but Ricky Pearsall, wide receiver out of Florida, potentially could crack the 4-4s. Javante Jean-Baptiste, defensive lineman out of Notre Dame. He hit over 20 miles an hour on the GPS. Miles Cole, defensive lineman out of Texas Tech. 6'6", 271, has a crazy wingspan. 87 inches, also over 20 miles an hour. Carlton Johnson, cornerback out of Fresno State, hit 22.17. Second fastest senior bowl guy they've ever seen since they started tracking, uh, behind only Tariq Woolen. Marshawn Nealand, edge rusher out of Western Michigan, 6'3", 270. A former 200-meter runner, or 400-meter runner, clocked almost 20 miles an hour chasing a player down. Stock is rising in the draft. Johnny Wilson, wide receiver slash tight end out of Florida State, 6'7", 240. Last offseason, verted uh, 35 and a half inches. He's topped out in games over 21.2 miles per hour. That's fast for a big boy. Uh, Javon Solomon, edge rusher out of Troy. He has 250 pounds and just 7% body fat. He's going to bench really well. He's maxed at 425, and he's expected to run really fast because he's been over almost 22 miles an hour. Gabe Hall, defensive lineman out of Baylor. He bench presses 500 pounds and hit almost 20 miles an hour on the GPS. Ryan Florney, wide receiver out of South, uh, Southeastern Missouri State, ran in the four threes. Brock Bowers, we don't need to worry about. Uh, Adonai Mitchell, wide receiver out of Texas. 
may crack 4-4 in the 40 and jump around 40 inches in the vert at 6'4", 200 pounds. Brennan Rice, wide receiver out of USC, Jerry Rice's kid. He's hit 23 miles per hour in the GPS. That actually surprises me. I didn't think he was all that fast. Had an impressive 1.43 10-yard split last offseason. Tyler Davis, defensive lineman out of Clemson. He's probably going to run a sub-540. Xavier Worthy, wide receiver out of Texas. Nearly 23 miles per hour. Crazy how many how fast these guys are. Another wide receiver slash kick returner, Tulu Griffin out of Mississippi State. Also very, very small. He's going to be one of the smallest guys, but he might be one of the fastest as well. So kind of similar situation there. Um, he's capable of running in the four twos. Sion Vaki, safety, uh, says safety slash running back out of Utah. Dude bench presses 400 pounds, verts 39, and his broad jump is 10, five and a half. Braden Fisk, defensive tackle, Florida State. Scouts told me this month they expect him to be one of the most impressive defensive linemen working out. Xavier Leggett, wide receiver out of South Carolina. That's kind of a uh, first, probably second round guy. 6'3", 227, hit 22.3 miles per hour on a 76-yard touchdown against Mississippi State. And then finally, Joe Milton, the third quarterback out of Tennessee. Are there some questions about consistency and accuracy? There's no doubt about his arm strength. At the Combine, Milton will have plenty of chances to air it out and make Jaws hit the floor. Launching a ball 90 yards might not be out of the question. My goodness. But anyways, so on uh, tomorrow's Tuesday, right? Yeah, so today for you is the beginning of the press conferences. So we'll be able to uh, start to hear from some people. I'm sure some of the news and notes and rumors and everything's going to be flying around. They probably already are. I got to go get caught up on that after I'm done with this. We're also going to have players meeting with the media, which is going to be great. Be able to hear some of these guys. Even some of the guys that are not expected to participate are planning on being there doing some interviews. Be very interesting to hear. For example, everyone's going to be very curious about the Bears. I'm sure they're going to play it close to the vest, but you kind of, uh, you know, just listen, see what's going on out there. I forgot who it was. I think it was, um, I don't know, somebody recently just said that they were going to trade the pick or whatever, and that's what they should do. It's like, come on, man, just stop. There's also going to be talk about, you know, this is when guys get together, they start talking about different rules, talking about the XFL kickoff thing talking about the hip drop tackle, whether they're going to kick that out of the NFL. So we may be getting some news or some traction on that. And then also we should be getting another NFL PA report card. Last year, the Packers did quite well on that. Um, be very interesting to see this year. They're expected to do that again. I'll be interested to see how well that that all pans out. I would think it's going to be pretty solid considering you got a bunch of young guys um, instead of a bunch of jaded old vets. But uh, we'll have to see because last year was a little tumultuous couple of the latest updates as I'm looking at it. Jonathan Brooks, uh, healing from ACL surgery, looks like he is expected to be ready for camp this summer. Uh, Malik Neighbor says he will not run or test at the Combine. Roma Dunze says he will run at the Combine. Marvin Harrison will not. This is, this is kind of becoming much more common, um, especially since they changed the format to be more um, viewer friendly because they want to make a spectacle out of it, which is, you know, I mean, it's great in theory. I love it. I want to watch it, but it made it much more difficult for people. And so there's some guys like Marvin Harrison, who no matter what really didn't see any benefit to doing it. But I think for a lot of guys are looking at it, like it's too much strain. Plus you, you know, you do some of the tests and then you sit around for hours and you build up all the lactic acid and then you don't run very well. And it kind of, you know, looks bad on you and then you know people start questioning you and really it's just because I'm being put through some bullcrap testing and risking injuring myself 
So it's kind of becoming more and more, and I think they need to find some kind of a solution to it to encourage people to do certain kinds of things, at least do something. Uh, Jaden Daniels is not planning on throwing. Caleb Williams is not expected to throw. And that's all I know for right now. Some of the other NFL news. Looks like Derek Carr is going to be getting another deal. The Saints continue to just push out money. So they're going to keep Carr. They're going to rework his deal, give him a big check, and push out some money. Uh, The Miami Dolphins are expected to cut Emmanuel Agba. So one of the guys I'd mentioned before, that free agency, those lists that we see are only half of it. And most of the guys on that list are going to be re-signed, but there are a pile of guys that are just not going to make it. Emmanuel Agba did get cut. Isaiah Oliver was let go by the 49ers. T. Higgins, there was some talk about that, but it looks like he is expected to receive a franchise tag. And uh, actually, did get a franchise tag. There you go, just a few hours ago. Uh, Saquon Barkley is not likely to be tagged. That shouldn't be a surprise to anybody, so it's a good chance he ends up hitting the market. Same for Josh Jacobs. So it's a good chance he hits free agency, as will Tony Pollard of the Dallas Cowboys. So, I mean, that's a lot of running backs. And the problem for those guys is, you know, again, we already know the running back position has been devalued, but then when you get some real high-powered running backs all flooding the market on top of the draft and on top of everything else, price just is not going to be crazy high. Anyways, that's as good as I got for your primer for the uh, the Combine. You guys have a good rest of your day. Very, very excited to get some of this news and uh, see where it takes us. Have a good one. Bye-bye. <laughs>